This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sometimes it's better to just run out of gas. This world is a strange one. Gas stations are very creepy and awkward places. Even the franchise gas stations like Shell or Valero seem to often hire creepy employees, or at the very least attract the worst kind of customers. From drug-fueled maniacs to unexplainable happenings, gas stations are hotspots of horror. So let's see how bad it can really get with these allegedly true gas station scary stories. But first, I'm so close to having enough stories for a creepy Japanese video so please, if anyone has a creepy story from Japan, send it to me at deathbyfear.com. Thank you. Now, some jerk smoking while pumping gas is the last thing you need to worry about. Number one, the pit stop creeper, submitted by Ava. About a year ago, I was driving with family on a road trip. I was half asleep when my parents told me that we were going to an oasis. By oasis, they meant a pit stop, a gas station that served food as well. I threw on my sweater and we went inside. My parents asked me what I wanted to eat. It was lunch and I wanted a frappe and a Happy Meal. They waited in line and I went to use the bathroom. I went inside the bathroom. And honestly, the only unnatural thing about it so far was how clean it was for a gas station bathroom. I did my business, washed my hands, then walked out of the bathroom. But the moment I opened the door to the bathroom entrance, a man was standing right there. He turned around and then walked away. Acting like I didn't see him, he was only a few inches away from the door and facing it. I had no idea what he could have been doing but at that age, I never considered myself attractive, so I assumed that no one would ever creep on me. Well, I was wrong. I went back to my family. They had all our food ready at a couple of tables. The kids were set at one table and the parents at another. I sat down and began to enjoy my meal, when suddenly, the guy from the bathroom door from earlier began to walk up to our table, a table full of children. This was odd for any grown man to do. He had this false niceness to his voice and said hi, but I didn't talk to him. Instead, I gave him this screw off look, but awkwardly he kept going. My brothers enjoyed their food while I sat there ignoring this man who kept talking to me. I wanted to get my parents' attention because apparently they didn't see the man talking to me, but for some reason, I was too afraid to make any sudden moves. Keep in mind, I was 12 years old at the time not even a teenager. And this grown 30 or 40 something year old man places his hard and calloused hand on my thigh. As soon as I felt his skin touch mine, I wanted to vomit. I no longer felt hungry. I instead felt dirty and ashamed of myself. Then he leaned down and whispered in my ear. 
I've got some pretty cool things you'd like to see in my truck. Would you like to come with me? I felt my eyes fill up with water, and I thought the worst was going to happen. But before I knew what was happening, my dad grabbed this man by the arm, then shoved him away from my table. The creepy guy landed on his rear with the most pissed look on his face. But my dad, even though he wasn't as big, he stood his ground. Luckily, the man got up and turned around. He walked away and went back to his semi-truck that was waiting outside. The truck that he wanted me to join him in, for God knows what. My father then picked me up and cradled me in his arms, and my mother called the police. I was speechless for the longest time. I was at that awkward age where you know there are bad people in the world, but you're too naive to think that they could ever get to you. I guess you could say that I was in some sort of shock. I'm really afraid for my future children, and for any children out there, in fact, because this menacing stranger, he just walked right up to me in a public place right next to my parents. Then he tried to abduct me. To all the parents out there, keep your eyes open, and don't turn your back on your kids too long, because when you turn back, they might just be gone. Number two, Gas Station Stalker, submitted by Lilac S. I worked from 2 to 10 p.m. at a small gas station in a decent part of my new town. It was my first job, and I'd like to have considered myself good at it when it comes to dealing with people that aren't welcome. Despite most of the people being friendly and the area being relatively safe, we still got a lot of weirdos and druggies by the time 9 p.m. rolled around. I'm 19 and I'm only five foot two. I'm pretty small for a guy my age, so if someone ever jumped the counter to try and attack me, there's not a whole lot I could do. And I was so sure that was going to happen just a few nights ago. You see, I normally worked with my sister who's the same age as me. However, she was off this time and I was stuck working with my other coworker. She was nice but didn't talk too much and we weren't really friends. She worked from 11 to 7 p.m. and when she got off, I would be entirely alone with no help and nothing but a small counter protecting me from the dangerous people that could show up. This didn't faze me much, as I'd worked almost an entire shift by myself before. This night, however, took a slight turn for the worst. It was close to 10, and I was preparing to be picked up by my parents and my sister. Not many people had come in that night, so I jumped a bit when I heard the doors suddenly slide open. I looked up to see a man in a gray wife-beater shirt and gray sweatpants. He had shaved blonde hair, was about five foot eight, and right off the bat, I noticed that something was weird about the man. He was stumbling a bit as he walked over to the beer section. I figured perhaps he was crippled in a way and just had trouble walking, but my thoughts soon changed as he approached the counter with a couple of cans of beer. He basically slammed them on the counter, and being the timid person I was, I jumped back subtly and avoided eye contact. I forced my customer service grin on my face and I asked him if this was everything he needed. The man didn't respond. He just began digging through his pockets for cash or a wallet as I rang up his items. 
He kept muttering something about people not giving him money and how angry he was going to be if they forgot it. I nervously chuckled and just replied with, yeah, I wouldn't blame you. My heart was pounding in my chest and I kept my eyes locked on the counter. That's when I noticed that he seemed to be taking off his pants, or at least that's what my mind went straight to since I was in a state of panic. I got a clear view of everything. He even reached into his boxers to look for the money there. I didn't say anything. I just kept quiet and prayed for it to end soon. After he dug through his pants for a while, casually flashing me here and there, he went to grab his beers and put them back because he realized he had no money on him. He grabbed the product, put it back on the shelf after touching himself, basically. He almost fell onto the counter and smashed his beers. Luckily, it was canned and none of them broke, but my hands were shaking at this point. The guy was unpredictable. Before he left the store, he looked at me with this weird expression. It was almost vacant. Then I heard him say in a very slurred voice, bet you got a lot of cash back there. Then he took a step towards me as if considering his next action. Then luckily, he turned around and stumbled out. I sighed in relief. I knew what he had been thinking. He had been deciding whether or not to rob me. What a psycho. I was just about to put the beers back in the rightful place when I heard the doors open again. But instead of seeing the drugged out man, I looked up to see my mom, dad, and sister. I let out a big sigh. It was a sigh I didn't know I was holding since I could barely breathe before. Hey kid, my mom greeted in her usual optimistic tone that always set my mind at ease. What's with the druggie outside? My dad asked. He knew this area quite well and druggies were honestly nothing new to any of us. I, I'm not sure, I started, but I was cut off by my sister cheerfully greeting me with a tight and awkward sibling hug. I hugged her back when she noticed I was breathing heavy, as did our mom. Are you okay? She asked, leaning back from our hug. I didn't let her break it despite the uncomfortable closeness. Yeah, I'm fine, I breathed out, then nodded in the direction of the man still outside. It's just that guy. I think he's on something. He came in here, nearly undressed in front of me, and believe me, I saw enough. Then he slammed a bunch of crap around. We all looked at the man, who was staring back at me. My parents seemed disgusted and urged my sister to lock the doors. She went over to do so. The way the doors worked was that there was a setting you could switch it to, so the doors closed without needing bolted shut. They simply needed opened manually, and it made it easy to let people out when we were closing up for the night. That's when we heard him shouting at police sirens, screaming, in fact. The doors shut slowly when they're on this setting, and as my sister was rushing back, the man slammed his entire body weight into the doors, stopping them from shutting. I think we all jumped when that happened. Thankfully, I'd calmed down a bit since my family was there, so I wasn't a panicking mess, but I was still freaked the hell out. The man stumbled and grumbled inside, and my mom and dad yelled at him that we were closed, to which the man glared and went to get more beer. It almost looked like he was reaching into his pocket to bring something out to show to my dad. He was staring at him as if he wanted to fight him, 
and something told me this guy wouldn't have fought fair. In fact, I was sure at this point that the guy wasn't unarmed. Luckily, my dad was a big guy and assertive and dominant when he needed to be, so the guy didn't dare do anything. Despite his drug-fueled mind, he knew my dad could probably take him. The man paced around the store for a bit, beer in hand before putting it back. Maybe he felt unwelcome or something like that. Maybe in his intoxicated mind, he actually made sense of what was going on. My dad urged my sister to call the police and she ran into the back to get the phone and call them. As she did this, the man stumbled back out of the store and continued to scream and shout at the distant sirens, stomping around the parking lot. My mom then ran over to both the doors so he couldn't break in again. After my sister got off the phone, my parents made sure we were going to be okay. Then they left me and my sister there to spend some time together until the police arrived. They had a friend to go meet and the police were only a few blocks away and they were very used to coming to this gas station for whatever reasons. I mean, we had our fair share of breakup fights and drug addicts. Me and my sister just chilled and talked until the third shift arrived. When she arrived, I ended up blabbing to her about what had just happened as I counted down my drawer for the night. She seemed shocked but amused and told us she had seen the same guy wandering around before. Apparently, this wasn't the first time the man has been here drugged out of his mind. He came in one night while she was working and began pissing on the locked doors. Me and my sister laughed at this and proceeded to head out once I put my name tag up and grabbed my bag. We wished her well and good luck, since tonight had been a pretty bad night. Me and my sister had to walk home a few blocks. It wasn't a bad walk at all, and we both assumed we'd be fine. However, I felt the night get more sinister than usual as we crossed the street and proceeded home. I passed it off as paranoia because I was still shaken up by it. I joked about the guy to lighten the mood, saying that he was probably up the street about to be hit by a car. My sister laughed and we both joked around to make the situation seem less serious than it really was. We decided to share headphones and listen to some music so that the walk would go by faster. As we walked, I felt my chest get tighter and my eyes dart around. It's just the dark setting me off, I told myself. Nothing to really worry about. There were a series of small shops across the street from us halfway home. They were all closed at the time, so I didn't expect to see a person in the parking lot. It took a few glances before my breath hitched and my eyes got wide. I nudged my sister and urged her to look over without speaking. Crap, she muttered, and we picked up our paces. Don't look at him, she whispered. But it was too late. That crazy fool turned in time to spot us, and I found it hard to breathe when we heard him shouting at us. Through our headphones, it was jumbled nonsense. I wish I could have heard what he was saying, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. I pulled out my pocket knife that dad recently gave me and I opened it, holding it as tight as possible. My sister urged me to stay quiet and keep looking down. I didn't know why. I had the urge to look behind me, but I didn't want him to know we knew he was following us. I knew he was. I just didn't know how close. Finally, as we approached our next turn, my sister grabbed my arm and pulled me up a grassy hill. Over it were apartments, 
It was quite a confusing group of buildings, so we could cut through there and easily lose him. Once we were far enough in and no longer heard his screaming, we took out our headphones and finally breathed. I hope we lost him, I said, still overly aware of my surroundings. I think we did. I don't hear him screaming anymore, she replied, somehow less panicked than I was. How close was he anyway? I asked, finally feeling safe enough to ask it. I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to panic too much, but he was right across from us trying to get over to our side, she answered. I felt sick. Are you serious? I mumbled. A sudden slimy feeling washing over me. Any second longer and he would have stumbled across the street. He would have been right on top of us. God knows what he was going to do, especially to my sister. It pissed me off just thinking about it. My sister's no frail or skinny girl. She's not overweight by any means. She's stout and strong though, and she wouldn't hesitate to fight back, even against her older brother. It sounds pathetic, but I felt safe with her. The rest of the way home, we chatted a bit and kept looking behind us, just talking about what could have happened and trying to think of the bright side. We got home safe and told our brother about what had happened. Apparently, he already knew thanks to mom and dad, and he went outside to make sure the guy didn't come too close to the house, if he had followed us still. I told him to be safe, then I stripped my work clothes and hopped into our bunk bed. Yeah, we were both 19, but me and my sister shared a room since our house was very tiny. Surprisingly, we got along pretty well. The night went on peacefully. I got online and talked about what had happened with friends. I laughed about it until our brother came back home. He said he saw someone, but he didn't confront him, merely telling him to screw off and go back where he came from. God, that boy is brave. He then went to bed after making sure all the doors were locked. Then so did we. It began to rain, and it really helped me fall asleep. But that wasn't anywhere near the end of this night. Not at all. While the rain was peaceful, I was used to waking up in the middle of the night, and I woke up to something odd. I woke up to what sounded like whispering coming from outside. I groaned and rolled over, trying to ignore it, thinking it was my half-asleep mind trying to play tricks on me. That's when I heard scratching. My eyes snapped open, and my heart instantly ached with pounding. Slight taps on the outside pane, accompanied by quiet swearing and murmuring. It made me so scared that tears rolled down my cheeks in fear. I'm no man by any means. I'll admit that right now. It stopped eventually, and I heard crunching leaves getting quieter and more distant by the second but I remained there, unable to go back to sleep, quietly sobbing like a shaking child who had just seen their first horror film. I'm glad I don't work there anymore. I feel much safer. If you work late nights, especially at a gas station, be careful, have some sort of legal weapon with you, and stay safe. Because apparently, there are some dangerous people that would love to follow you home. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. 
June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Number 3. Arizona Horror. Submitted by Lucky Clover. Me and my foster mother Sally and her husband Jim were going to Phoenix, Arizona in a three-seated motorcycle. I was in the side seat with Bouncer, our little miniature pincher. We got to Arizona, but to get to Phoenix, I remember we had to cross this menacing looking bridge. I was asleep and Jim turned into a gas station by the bridge. Jim and Sally left me outside while they went in. Bouncer was my only protection. I was awake by then, so I decided to take Bouncer for a walk around the gas station. When I suddenly got this feeling, that I was no longer alone. I felt like someone was watching me. Bouncer began to growl, so I looked around and I looked toward the bridge, and that's when I saw something that was far too tall to be normal. There was movement in the distance, some sort of animal, and from where I was, it appeared to be twice as tall as my dad. This thing was lumbering and moving slowly at the time, as soon as I saw its silhouette, I was freaked out. I picked up Bouncer right away, and I ran back to the motorcycle, and I grabbed a taser out of one of the compartments that my dad and mom hid. Then Jim and Sally finally came back out. I looked one last time toward the bridge, but it was gone. I tried to calm down as we prepared to take off, but before we ever moved, a huge pack of deer came from that direction from the bridge seemingly running for their lives away from something and running right in the way of our bike. Jim let the bike idle as we waited for the herd of deer to move on. Just as the last one left us, we suddenly heard a blood-curdling scream. The same lumbering figure from before ran across the road, just a few dozen yards from the gas station. I heard Jim audibly curse. We were all staring in this thing's direction. With each of its footsteps, it seemed like the earth shook. Even from that far away, I could feel its immense weight in every footstep. 
Jim turned that bike on a dime like I'd never seen him drive before. Then he sped away across the bridge, trying to put as much distance from that thing as possible. I think the scariest part for me and my young mind was seeing someone I looked up to, seeing a grown man be as scared as I was. Now, that's one of the most hopeless feelings I've ever felt. That was easily the most terrifying night in my life. When we actually did go back home from Arizona, we didn't take that same route. We avoided that gas station at all costs. It's not the longest story, but it was a scary moment in my life. I don't know if it was Bigfoot or some sort of wolfman. I luckily wasn't close enough to make out much detail, but whatever it really was, it was definitely dangerous. Number four, late night customer, submitted by Anonymous. This story happened recently, and I'd rather keep my name out of it for security reasons. I'm 21 years old, and I work at a gas station, the graveyard shift. Now, I'm really into the paranormal, I own dozens of books on demonology and other things. Also, I'm six feet tall and weigh about 250 pounds. Though deep down, I'm a quiet guy. My outer appearance may look intimidating to some. Well, I recently moved into a new part of the city because the rent of the apartment where I was staying went up and I could no longer afford it. But the new apartment was way too far from my previous job. So I had to resign and look for a new one. I was hired on at a gas station within walking distance, and the pay was decent enough to pay for rent and bills, so the situation was quite perfect for me. Plus, my new coworkers were very welcoming. They were very willing to help me with any questions. During the first week, everything was smooth and simple. They started my schedule off at one in the morning. That way it was slower and my training would be far more easy without so many customers interrupting. It was very fun while it lasted. Once I got my new schedule, I chuckled. My boss gave me 12 midnight to eight in the morning. I consider myself a night owl, so staying up that late was no problem for me. Besides, that meant I didn't have to deal with lousy customers, only the occasional late drunk coming to buy some beer. During the overnight shift, we lock the front and back doors. The only way a customer can get what they want is to buy it through a window with the hatch that we open and lock. Now, the station is pretty big and exposed. The front is completely glass, like in the movie, The Mist. My duties as an overnight employee are basic. Just serve whoever comes to buy something and check the inventory for the next day. Since there are no managers around during these hours and I'm the only employee, I gave myself the privilege of bringing my headphones for when I get bored so at least I can listen to some music. One night around 11.45 p.m., I got out of my apartment and began walking towards the gas station. Since my apartment complex is on a bad side of the city, I always carry one of those metal extendable batons with me, just in case. I put on my headphones and noticed something wrong with them. They wouldn't play any music. The wires must have been bad, I thought, because all they would play was this static sound. It really weirded me out. I unplugged the headphones and tried to see if it was my phone too, but no, the speaker seemed to be working just fine. 
I tried to plug the headphones in one more time, and they started to work, but as soon as they went on, I felt something on my back. You know, that feeling when you're alone in the dark, and you know someone else is there with you. I looked back behind me, and I saw nothing, just an empty street. I kept walking and got the same sensation. I turned around again just in time to see a figure. As soon as I turned to look, they hid behind some bushes and trees on an empty property next to the station. That property was completely abandoned. It was all tall grass, bushes, and dense trees. It was the usual hideout for weed smokers and drug dealers, so I assumed it was just a guy smoking some weed or waiting to sell to somebody, and I left it at that. Once I got to work, I let my boss know with a text message, and the night shift employee left for the night after handing me the keys. I locked the doors and checked inventory. So far, everything was calm. From under the counter, I took out a graphic novel to read while listening to music. Usually, we only get about three to five customers during the night shift, and the night was barely starting, so I had no worries. Plus, it was a weekday, so I highly doubted anyone would come at all. Around 2 a.m., I noticed a person standing by the gas pumps. It wasn't unusual. Sometimes homeless people would go and sleep there. Those folks would sleep anywhere if they could. But something was different about this person. They were wearing a long trench coat, and I could not see their face, even with the bright lights illuminating them. The person raised their right arm and waved at me. At first, it weirded me out. Then I thought, ah, what the hell? And I waved back. And that was a mistake. As soon as I raised my arm, the person lowered theirs and just stood there, silent and still. Slightly annoyed by that, I went back to my novel and tried to ignore them. After a good half an hour, the lights began to flicker. I sighed and put down the novel and took off my headphones, going to the back to check on the power. This happens quite a lot. The fuses here go out quite often, and I blamed it on bad wiring. Once in the back, the lights just completely shut off, and I got to admit it was so sudden. I got scared for a second, but then I remembered my phone had a flashlight, and God bless technology. I found the switch and turned on the emergency power. That's there in case stuff like this goes down, and a big vehicle like a truck is in the middle of fueling up. I decided to text my boss and let him know about the power before writing a report. Once I got back to the front again, I saw something that sent a chill down my spine. That person that had been standing by the pumps was now right outside the front door, staring at me. I had a good look at their face too, and it was horrifying. There was something wrong with them. They looked diseased or malnourished because their skin was slightly blue. They were bald and their eyes were black with a blue iris that stood out from a distance. And the worst part was their smile, a way too big smile that went from ear to ear. I didn't know how to react. It was too sudden. And this person was easily taller than me, probably six and a half or seven feet. Being my size, I don't easily get intimidated. But this person, they made my knees weak with fear. I gathered all the courage I had inside, and I spoke. Can I help you? I asked in the most serious tone I could. 
They pointed at the boxes of beef jerky on top of one of the aisles. Okay then, I muttered, walking to the beef jerky, while taking my eyes off of the guy. This, I pointed at the food. Still with that massive smile on their face, they nodded. All right then, I'll meet you at the window. I grabbed some of the beef jerky, not knowing how much he wanted. I walked over to the hatch, completely nervous. The guy moved to the window, keeping a two feet distance from it. Once he was right in front of me, I almost let out a whimper. He was far taller up close and terrifying. I could hear him breathing heavily, like he had just run some marathon. I looked down, and this time I could not hold it in. I let out a scream when I saw his feet. Well, I could no longer say he, because he's not a person. It was like a reptile. Its feet were like those of some chameleon, split in two with four large toes ending in claws. I stumbled backward, thinking, what the hell? And I could barely breathe. The thing put its hand on the glass and leaned towards it. Its hand was huge and also had claws. Its face was touching the window and its eyes were fixated on me. I was praying that it didn't try to break through the glass. That would be bad. It slid its hand to the rear of the hatch. That's where we give customers their change. The claws made their way inside trying to reach me and I took a step back, trying to say go away, but all that came out was nonsense. I had no idea how to take on this thing and I reached for my baton, extending it, and I tried to look as intimidating as possible to the creature, but all it did was laugh. The creature chuckled at me, and it pulled its hand away from the window. When I could finally speak fluently again, I said to it, what are you? I kept yelling at it, trying to be intimidating, but the thing didn't move a muscle. Its menacing smile didn't lower one bit. At this point, it was just a staring contest, me with my baton in hand, and this monstrosity looking down at me. It felt like it lasted an eternity. It walked towards the front door eventually, and began to push it open violently, trying to get in. No, you don't, I ran to the door, dropped the beef jerky, and pushed towards its direction so that the thing could not get in. And the only thing keeping the door closed was a chain and padlock and two small bolted locks on the top and bottom of the doors. If that thing was as strong as I thought it was, the door was not going to hold. Just go away, I yelled desperately, trying to keep my composure, but I could not deny the urge that I wanted to cry. The bolts gave up and the doors almost opened, but thanks to the chains they held, leaving nothing more than a half foot opening, big enough for that creature to slip its hand inside. Adrenaline or bravery, or maybe sheer stupidity, made me react, and the reaction I had was to hit it as hard as I could with my weapon. After I did, the creature stopped smiling and went serious. I'll hit you again, Get out of here, just stay back, I said. It pulled its hand away and stood there, staring at me. There was complete silence, just me and this thing that tried to look like a person. 
Then my phone began ringing. I forgot to turn off the alarm. It normally goes off at 4 a.m., so I can get ready for the morning shift. The ringtone caught me off guard, causing me to look away from the creature, giving it plenty of time to push open the door violently, almost ripping the handles from the chains, and I could hear it panting now. My first thought was to kick the doors, trying to push it away, and it worked. It backed away and began to smile again. It walked backwards four steps. Then it raised its hand again, this time only showing three fingers, before it finally walked away and disappeared into the night. Soon the next shift arrived, along with my manager. They both noticed the door handles almost broken and demanded answers from me right away. I knew they wouldn't believe my story. Probably no one would believe me. So I lied and said two big guys tried to rob the store with baseball bats, but I managed to fend them off. We filed a police report and left it at that. That wasn't too long ago. I don't know why it raised three fingers. I don't know what it's showing up means or what it wanted, but I can't help but wonder if he meant three days. But right now, my only focus is to continue to survive each night. And number five, creepy guys at the gas station, submitted by Aaron. This happened to me very recently, and though I'm okay, it's still scary to think about. I had to get gas for my car one day, as my dad had always drilled the rule of never let your car get below half a tank of gas into my head, since before I was even able to drive. The gas station in town was roped off though, due to the pumps not working. Unfortunately, this is a fairly regular occurrence now. These gas pumps are new and the gas station hasn't worked out the bugs yet. But there was another gas station on the outskirts of town, so I decided to go to that one instead. This gas station wasn't completely packed, but it was much more busy than usual. I was able to find a spot that was open, but I was behind a large truck. This didn't bother me as I figured that I could back out of the spot when I was done and get out of the parking lot that way. I got out of the car and began fueling when I noticed this old beat up burgundy colored car slowly starting to circle the gas station. I noticed that there are two people in the car and they both look to be in their late 60s to early 70s. They seem to be down on their luck with torn and ratty clothing, unkempt beards, and hair sticking out in every direction. I then noticed how they're looking at me as if I'm a piece of steak and they're starving wolves. I can feel my blood pressure rise and kept an eye on them when they parked their car right behind mine. Basically, I was boxed in now and they had parked horizontally so there were no spaces for me to get in and out from. Now, my knowledge of the Spanish language was limited, but I could hear them talk, and I very clearly heard them say, she'll do, and we should grab her. By now, I was ready for a fight. My first thought was to run the risk of making a complete idiot out of myself by running into the gas station building, screaming for help and flagging down one of the clerks. I thought to myself that I shouldn't panic, and I pretended I couldn't understand them while I formed a quick plan of escape in my head. 
The men walked inside the building for who knows what reason, while occasionally looking over in my direction to see if I was still there. I immediately stopped pumping gas and went to get inside my car and lock the doors when I suddenly saw two professional looking men coming out of the gas station. I decided to take my chances and I went to them to explain what had happened and asked for help. I told them what the two scruffy looking men had said. These men agreed to help me. One of them said to stay by their car while the other would go inside and speak to a clerk. Fortunately for me, luck was also on my side when the owner of the big truck moved his vehicle so I could finally get out and get away from this gas station. The man I was with told me to take the back way home, to not take the main route. Taking the main route home means a straight line into town where it's very easy to be spotted and followed, but taking the back road would mean it would take 20 minutes longer, but I was able to blend into traffic more easily. The man also said he'd keep an eye on my car until I was out of sight to make sure the men weren't able to follow me. I thanked the man profusely, got into my car and locked all the doors. I got out of there as quickly as I could without causing an accident. As I pulled out of that gas station, I looked back towards it and I saw those two scruffy looking men frowning, staring me down with the most hateful glares I've ever seen. I don't know what those two men wanted, what they were planning on doing to me, but I'm glad that I didn't find out. I'll never be going back to that gas station again. I'm very lucky there were two guys like the professional looking ones who decided to help. And as for the two creepy men, I hope you get what you deserve. In a massive country like the United States, nearly everyone drives cars. Vehicles are necessary for everyday lives. Therefore, gas stations are a requirement to keep society functioning. But you'd be dead wrong if you didn't think some of the sketchiest and creepiest things go down at these pit stops. So the next time your tank is running low and you're forced to fill up at that old gas station on the side of the road, just don't turn your back for too long. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your Japanese scary story soon at deathbyfear.com. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patron, Katie Fowler. Thank you so much for supporting this channel and enjoy those bonus episodes.